Welcome to How to Change the World. This is a student-produced podcast, researched, written, recorded, and edited by Year 10 students at the McRobertson Girls High School, a public school in Melbourne. In their Year 10 Humanities How to Change the World elective, they were given free reign to choose the social issues they care about and explore how our Australian and global community addresses the challenges that face us. This podcast is entirely their work. This episode is about the Uyghur people. Enjoy. another episode of the on the record podcast today joining us we have alina the smart one zen Yi, the smart one and lenya the smart one and as usual lena will be joining me as host okay how are you guys are you guys having fun at school <laughs> <laughs> no are we even at school mm. <sighs> i want i kind of want to go back to school like Kaiki. yeah me too so bored Okay, all right, let's start. Okay, so who exactly are the Uyghur people? The Uyghurs are Turkic-speaking Muslims from the Central Asian region. The largest population lives in China's autonomous Xinjiang region in the country's northwest. Um, The Uyghurs are one of a number of persecuted Muslim minorities in Xinjiang. They are being arbitrarily arrested and imprisoned. Roughly a million Uyghurs are being detained by the Chinese government, where there is a growing amount of evidence of human rights violations and forced labor occurring. The Chinese government said that these camps are for re-education and vocational training necessary to combat against terrorism. What do you guys think about this? Uh, okay, uh, on top of the adult re-education camps, there's also been reports of children's re-education camps in Hotan, uh under the guise of kindergartens, where children whose parents that can enter the concentration camps are put to be taken care of. And although there isn't much of an official statement regarding, these jour- regarding this, journalists have gone undercover and found that the Statistics Bureau of the Hotan Prefecture shows that in 2017 alone, the number of kindergartens more than doubled around the same as when China began to send thousands of Uyghur adults to the re-education camps. Um, These so-called kindergartens are walled-off compounds with colourful turrets and brightly painted patterns on the ground, and they look rather unusual and can be seen from satellite imagery. Journalists have observed um, congregations, perhaps daily school-wide assemblies, where the Uyghur youth are asked to repeat the following questions. Are you Chinese? Do you love China? And do you want China to be strong? Uh, listening to these questions, uh, it's pretty. It's becoming devastatingly clear to see the China Chinese government's plan for the Uyghur population. First, they go ahead and they arrest all these people on the basis of their religion. They send their children, their youth, to live in re-education camps where they brainwash them slowly, erase any remains of their Uyghur heritage from them in order to integrate them into the idealistic Han Chinese society. 
Though Xinjiang is officially the an autonomous region of China, the Chinese government has been trying to gain more control over the past few decades. There have been a few terrorist attacks attributed to Xinjiang separatists in the past, and China is using the threat of terrorism to justify the camps. Although many of the people who they have put in camps have been shown to not be separatists. There is also evidence that instead of choosing people based on how they feel, there is also evidence that these camps are not being made for purposes to combat terrorism, but are instead about people's religion and the people are being chosen to go into those camps based on their religion, how they show their religion and connections to other people of that religion. They're really trying really hard to oppress like the Uyghur people. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. No, the area of Xinjiang is really important for um, the Communist Party because it's one of the like most important elements of the Belt and Road policy, and they, if that area isn't complete, like completely under control, then their whole Belt and Road um. Like initiative would go down the drain, and that can't happen because that's basically Xi Jinping's like signature foreign policy, and I mean he need he needs it to work. Can you elaborate more? What's the Belt and Road policy? So it's his Belt and Road. It's it's more it's other than a policy. I think it's more of like um, an initiative as well. Uh, it's basically something that will increase trade between China and Af China, Africa, and Europe. And the area of Xinjiang, there needs to be um, that is part of their plan to use the area of Xinjiang as it's uh, to help with this initiative. But the thing is, with uh, under the Communist Party, they believe that everyone needs to be united and to have proper control over the people. Everyone needs to be the same. Oh yeah. So that can't, that clearly can't happen in a place where. The culture is completely different. The religion is completely different, and most of them don't even speak their like the national language. So that's kind of one of the other motives that they have in order to like for suppressing these people and trying to wipe out their culture and like integrate them into normal society. Well, what makes it worse is how Uyghurs are receiving little to no support from anyone. China's role in the economy of Asia, the U.S., and other influential countries means people are less likely to speak out against what China is doing. Countries with high Muslim populations who have, in the past, given support, are likely to be relying on China for their economic survival. Basically, countries are aware of what's going on in China but are choosing to ignore it because of the influence China has, especially in the con economy of many, many countries. And since it does not directly affect the citizens of those countries, and speaking against it could have negative consequences to them, many con many governments are turning a blind eye. Well, there it is. What do you guys think now? U.S. ministers are well aware of the situation and speak on what is happening to the Uyghurs. From reports, it is known that the Chinese government is forcing ethnic, cultural, and religion among Uyghurs, trying to brainwash them from their own traditional values, as Alina has touched on before. And in February, new information of China monitoring about 
2.5 million people with the use of artificial intelligence technology tracking for facial recognition, crowd analysis, and personal verification got released. Um, they identified this as the Muslim tracker. And this mass surveillance of Muslim people is very concerning and very oppressive. And it's not just governments turning a blind eye. Uyghurs who come out of the camps are often made to do forced labor in other parts of China, still being forbidden to practice their religion or return home. And the labor that they do is often for influential companies like Nike and Apple, who, despite their promises not to have forced labor providing their products, are still using it. Um, yeah, big companies don't really care who, like, um, who are making their parts further down the supply chain because it's like a third party, so they're not technically responsible. So no one is really, no one really feels responsible to speak out against these people, like against the Chinese government and what they're doing to the Uyghurs. In the world today with COVID-19 and all, how do you think the situation has changed? Uh, Yeah, well, that's the good news. Due to COVID-19, China is in risk of jeopardizing its ties with other trading countries due to its Uyghur situation. If work from home proves to be a successful method, and lots of major companies are implementing that method, executives would either have to cut ties with allowing major brands around the world, since some brands would not want to associate with such controversy, in China, not offering basic human rights, dignity, and freedom. China risks being fully to the extent in how they treat the Uyghurs so harshly. From COVID-19, the Uyghurs may be given a better, cha- uh, a better change as China is likely to change its systems from being cut off from major brands, which, is highly, which will highly negatively impact, impact its connections of trade and services, affecting its economy. Um, but it's not fully good news either because Uyghurs are still being forced to work in factories in poor conditions under coronavirus risks. And they are like the main workforce that's um, working in these factories right now because um, the government and the business officials don't have to take responsibility if they die of um, COVID-19. And that is still really bad. And the Uyghur people are still suffering because of this, Mm. even more so than other people around the world. Security footage has been leaked of many Uyghur men at mass transfer, many kneeling down with their hands tied behind their backs, blindfolded and shaved. This has been confirmed by tech experts to be real footage but the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs and its embassy won't respond to any requests for comments. So do you guys have anything else to say? Uh, Running on to Lenya's point, there was a group of Uyghur people that managed to escape the, their situation after being incarcerated, um, but they had some comments about their situation in the camps, and one of them said that they were interrogated one by one, and while they were being interrogated, they could hear other people being beaten up in the cells and like just next over and they were also forced to sing these three songs in like in order to get permission to eat and if they wouldn't 
sing those songs, they would be thrown into solitary for like extended periods of time, which is inhumane, up to like months basically. Uh, there were also tortured methods used, such as a tiger chair, where they, which details haven't been given about that, but they wouldn't really care if people would die because of that, because they didn't have to answer to anyone about the way they treated these Uyghur people, and if they didn't speak the language they the their Mandarin, they wouldn't get to eat. They would be like restricted from doing basic like human stuff. Um, and they were forced to eat pork and shave their beards because that was a sign of their religion if they didn't like not eating pork and all. So there's their um treatment of the Uyghur people is pretty pretty drastic and disgusting. That's mainly because they don't really have anyone to answer back to and no one really is holding them accountable for it. No one who actually matters and can do something is holding them accountable. Um yeah um like a while ago i a, a while ago i remember seeing like stories on instagram about people trying to spread awareness about treatment this poor treatment of the Uyghur people in xinjiang but i don't think much has been done about this partly because of how influential the chinese government is and how much power they have over like everyone so yeah, i feel exactly. like yeah so i feel like they really failed to make an impact and change how the weaker people are being treated i i recently last year um there was this conference held for muslims and i i went there i attended it and there was a weaker man there whose family, who members of his family had been thrown into these camps and he was there desperately trying to like spread awareness, but no matter, like he had been doing it for a very long time, no matter how, like how much time he spent on it, there was nothing really happening. And you could see that he was kind of desperate because I mean, what can you do when your own like siblings have been thrown into these camps? And like he escaped from but the thing is, when someone leaves, when a Uyghur person leaves for overseas and they are um, they don't return, all their family members and their social circles are monitored and they can be thrown into the concentration camps for simply having contact with them overseas as in like under the guise of terrorists active overseas. It's really, I don't know, confronting because it's, they're not allowed to see their family members. There's, like, there's a Uyghur man in America who's been advocating for Uyghur rights for years now. And he hasn't talked to his mother in 15 years, seen his mother in 15 years because of how dangerous it is for him to contact his mother. It's a new level of repression, what they're doing. Yeah, um, I have a... I have a Chinese friend of Muslim heritage and one of her, like, close relatives like recently died under mysterious circumstances and none of the like the police department didn't give them an explanation or anything and they just died and i think that really shows like how commonplace and how often this kind of thing occurs in china and they can't really speak up about it because they would just get like 
Yeah, this is messy. Yeah. And you messy? Um, I've seen some news that recently, because of Ramadan, Muslim people have been encouraging Muslim countries and organizations to speak up about the Uyghurs who can't practice their religion currently because of the situation they're in and encouraging more action to be taken. But it's not clear if anything will come of that. Yeah, no, um, just talking from my experience, uh, I am from Pakistan and Pakistan's a Muslim country. And many people have asked like Pakistan to at least to do something or make some sort of comment about this situation. But as Lenia said before, Pakistan's a third world country and it relies heavily on China for its economy. And I, I, every time I visit like Pakistan, there's always like posters of Xi Jinping like in the airport and everything. The propaganda of like the Chinese and Pakistani friendship is everywhere. So no one really thinks to go against that because it's been like a thing for years. And so they won't stand up for this, even even though there's like a lot of like Muslim pressure, like in the Muslim world right now because of Ramadan. They're saying that you should speak out for like the sake of the rest of the people. But they won't. The officials won't do anything because it's not feasible for the economy. But, yeah, yeah, and the Chinese government really prides itself in being a really um, controlling and authoritarian government. And like lots of Chinese people I know have actually like backed up how effective the authoritarian government is by saying hey, there haven't been terrorist attacks in China for, like, a really, really long time. And that is true in itself, but there's, like, a really big price that's being paid in exchange for that. Yeah, uh, just uh, what you said just reminded me of something real quick. There was this interview with a Uyghur man who chose to stay anonymous, uh, who had been in these camps. And he had suffered like incredibly because of, you know, the way they had treated him. And he had made this comment that kind of made me think. And he said that not all Uyghur, Uyghurs are terrorists. There is a very like small minority, but putting them into these camps, putting their children, taking their children away from them, re-educating the children into like, like brainwashing them basically and treating the adults the way they are. They're creating a whole new wave of people that are going to grow up to hate the Chinese government. And if if you put someone through a concentration camp, you you you're inspiring like a hatred inside them. And he said that China may not, China's making terrorists in like in an essence cuz he and he and he said that although he wouldn't because he knows that it's not morally right to commit like a terrorist act, he wouldn't he wouldn't like he doesn't know how like i don't know how to explain it but he said that he would not do it himself but he is sure that other people who would not be able to control their anger at the chinese government for putting them through this could eventually like end up doing stuff to harm other people like like terrorist attacks basically well that's all we have for today let's clap again to end the podcast <laughs> Um, thanks, guys. Happy to have you back on here sometime in the future. <laughs> Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of How to Change the World, a podcast by the Year 10 students of the, the McRobertson Girls High School in Melbourne. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss the other episodes in this series. How to Change the World is produced on the lands of the Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded.